if we think about wanting to achieve a goal mm -hmm. and, and, and we, then we finally turn it into an idea and how do we now manifest it? How do we fit it into our lives? And habits, I think you often need a cue to, for a habit, but a routine you can just keep doing and, and fit it in. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. If you've been listening to this podcast regularly, or if you know me well, you know I live a life and career aligned with my values and I help others to do the same. Last weekend, I was out with a good friend. My leadership coach self can't help but ask my friends how their jobs are going. Work is such a big part of life and there's so much change going on right now for everyone. After a long discussion, my friend called me a career therapist. It was the best compliment ever. No, I'm not a real therapist, but I can help you find career clarity to give you clarity on what matters most. And that's why I've built the You Belong in the C-Suite group coaching program. In the six month program, I help you gain clarity on what matters most, create the action plan to get there, to reach career fulfillment, and lead as your authentic self. Here's what some of the program participants are saying. Because of this program, I've been more intentional about understanding my values and aligning my professional and personal life according to what I value most. I've also taken the time to deeply reflect on how I wanna show up as a leader. This program has shown me that it's okay to make decisions that are truly in my best interests. I know that if I'm 100% true to myself, I can lead in more powerful and impactful ways. Another participant said, participating in this program helped me gain the clarity I needed on what was most important to me in my career. The exercises, reflections, and conversations with supported women have helped me to make a career change that I would not have otherwise made. The structured framework coupled with the dynamic dialogue allows for personalized experience in a group setting, best of both worlds. If you are a high achieving woman and want more fulfillment in your work, learn more at thecatchgroup.com. Apply to You Belong in the C-Suite Group Coaching Program now. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Robin. Thank you so much for having me as a guest, Laura. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I've been looking forward to our conversation. But before we dive in, do you mind telling us more about yourself and sharing your story with the audience? Sure. I'm now I'm a distinguished professor at Kane University in the Michael Graves College. Uh, Michael Graves, the famous architect, gave us his name. And um, I... I'm an author and a consultant about marketing and advertising and branding and ideas. 
uh, I help companies and CMOs and CEOs come up with new ideas that are worthwhile, that are worth pursuing. And I've always been interested in creativity and in how we can manifest our creativity and how people can unlock it if they feel that they're not creative, because it's really no one is not creative. It's just a matter of, of learning how to get to it. I love that so much. It's unlocking it. So we are going to talk about how to do that a little bit today. We're also going to talk about your new book. Congratulations. I'm really excited to dive into it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. So I would love, um, I would love to dive in if that's okay. Um, yes, let's go. Okay. <laughs> so, so in your new book, we have a, a process that you want to teach us in goal setting. And I think it's, it's going to be really important to come up with these ideas. And as we talk about goal setting, like at an organizational level, at an individual level, like it's, it feels like, you know, that time of year, it's like full of, okay, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to contribute? What are my best ideas? And it could feel sometimes, I don't know, overwhelming. It can also feel like a new fun new year. So lots of excitement wrapped around it. Sometimes a lot of process also. And so as we get into like goal setting and almost idea generation, right. For this new business cycle, I'd love to hear how we can utilize all the things in your book to help us in this process. So let's start there, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Well, I think when we think about goals, especially in, in not in our, our personal lives, but in a corporate setting, is there a preset goal? So has somebody given you a charge? And so if you think about it in terms of advertising or design, we're given a brief where the goals and objectives, it's the business goal and the marketing goals, they're, they're all set out for us. So we're not really setting it. We have to achieve it. But also in a corporate setting and even in an advertising and in, in marketing, you can set your own goal mm -hmm. and show that to a client or show that to your supervisor or show that to your team and, and say, well, listen, I really think that this should be a goal for us that maybe we're not looking at, that we're not thinking about. So first you have to figure out, is it a preset goal or is it a self-determined goal? And that can be personal or corporate. It could also be for a researcher. So as you know, as a PhD, you're doing research and you have to figure out what, what's my doctorate about? What's my thesis about? When I'm, what am I going to look into? What goal do I have here? And so that's really important to first figure out what kind of goal it is. And is it a big goal? Is it a goal with objectives underneath? Right? Is it, are there smaller ones that you can tackle if you're working in the corporate setting? Or let's say you and I are working together. Are we both working on that one goal? So is it a team effort? Or are we all each working on the goal and then whoever the, the CEO is decides on whose solution is the best to that goal? So it, it, all, it all really depends on the setting. But the next most important thing to consider is the gap. And what that means is, and it can mean different things in different settings and in different disciplines and in different sectors, but it's the piece that's missing. So is your goal, you're kind of assessing your goal by looking at a gap. What's the crack in the research? What's missing? Is there a, a method that's missing, a 
a point of delivery that's not being used? Is there something that's not understood? Are there people who are overlooked? Is there an audience who's underserved or completely ignored? Is there a, a process or a system that's not been explored? Uh, is there a new class of drugs or a new operating system that's not been explored? So there are so many different gaps that we can consider. And usually the goal should fill that gap in some way. And so you know that as a, as a PhD, when you're doing your research, you do what we call literature search. You're looking at all the existing literature to see what's out there and that what's missing, right? What can you do to advance the discipline? What can you do in your company to advance the company's objectives, to advance the company's mission? And there probably is something missing, whether it's an overlooked audience or something that's not been explored or something that the star chamber is against. So for example, uh, messenger RNA was a very different method of delivering medicine than had been used in the past. And the star chamber was not in favor of it. And yet Dr. Carrico and Dr. Weissman pursued it. And that's how we have, we got the COVID vaccine so quickly. So there are all kinds of things that are missing in that gap. Then the final step in my process, which is the three Gs, goal, gap, and gain. The last thing to think about, or actually you could think about it first because it's a fluid system, you can enter at any point, is what's the gain? So if you're, if you're going to work on this goal and you're going to fill the gap, what's the benefit? Who's going to gain from this? Individuals, society, business, culture? the planet, all of those. So what's the gain? So it's the three Gs, but you could start with a gain. You could think about something that you notice is really good. I love the idea of starting with the gain. What could, could that even look like this idea of the, you mentioned before, like these preset ideas that corporate might have, like one of the gains could be a, an outcome that they want to have, but we don't know how to get there. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Exactly. So I'll give you a really one of my favorite examples is Sal Khan was a, a fund manager mm -hmm. at, a, at a financial institution in Boston. And his family called him and said that his tween niece, Nadia, wanted to get onto an advanced math track in the school. And would he tutor her? And he said, sure, of course. And Nadia was doing great with his tutoring. And then more family asked for his help and then fair friends asked for help and he saw a gain and then he saw a gap mm -hmm. so the gain was these kids were doing great with his tutoring he was creating these little videos for them and then he realized that there was a gap that after school programs weren't there for kids i mean if you had money and you're wealthy and you can hire a tutor but for everybody else there was a gap there wasn't an, a program for tutoring kids after school. So he went from the gain to the gap to the goal. And 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 the result is Khan Academy, which is one of the great, I mean, one of, he's a hero to me. Uh, it, it's online free tutoring. And now he's even gone further with online free live tutoring. I love it. That's such a really, that's a, such a great example of like, 
even scaling the gain, right? It's scaling the gain. And for that, they have a whole organization that does that, but then everybody benefits. Exactly. I love that word. Yes, he scaled it because it went from Nadia to more family to now the entire world has access to Khan Academy. And it, and and he started out with math and science, but you can cover any topic, art history. I mean, it's all there. Mm. He's even he's even partnered with Pixar. I mean, it, just amazing scaling. Yeah. So I love that, that idea of the, it's a fluid process. I think because traditionally in organizations where we are programmed to think in these processes, okay, what is the organizational strategy? What are the goals? They're cascaded down. What are my goals that contribute to that goal? And it feels very um, methodical, yes. sometimes stifling. Like what are your KPIs? And what I really like about your 3G process, it feels more fluid. It feels yes. um, it feels expansive, right? Thank you. Yes, I mean, and a gap is a great way to start too. So if you're in your organization and you have a target audience, well, who are you missing, right? So you're always thinking about certain people, but who else is not benefiting from what your company can offer or what service or product your company can offer. And I think there are a lot of overlooked audiences. Uh, for example, I don't know if any of your listeners are gamers or their children are gamers, but there aren't that many games for girls. Hmm. A lot of the gaming industry is aimed at boys, but girls are gamers too. And that's an overlooked audience. And seniors are an overlooked audience for gaming. I mean, there are a lot of, no matter what sector you go into, you can think about an overlooked audience. And I think often companies think about profit, so they're not going to think about chronic issues like people who are unsheltered or human trafficking or poverty or clean water access. But if the company has a mission and their values are in place, mm. those are gaps to think about. I love that you talked about values. That's close to my heart, as you know. <laughs> so as we think about, you know, new workforces, I think they are, they're coming in. We both teach. So we see what Gen Z wants, right? And I feel like they, they're more value centered. Oh, I, yeah. I just had a conversation, a discussion with my students today about things that would be in their dream job versus their nightmare job. And all of these things about passion and giving back to planet and flexibility just were pouring out of them. And um, I think it's, it's just indicative of the broader things that we're hearing. Um, but how can companies, I feel like it's always linked to strategy, but this goal setting idea process is not as often linked to values. And I'm wondering how can we utilize this 3G process to, you know, draw more Gen Z and just, uh, I think what Gen Z wants, a lot of people want. So I don't, I don't think that is um, just them, but I think they're going to demand it as they enter a workforce and stay at companies and hopefully we retain them. But what can we do and how does your ideation process of the 3Gs make this a more inclusive process to think and bring in ideas about values? 
You're absolutely right. I, I find the same thing about Gen Z. What's a little different about Gen Z is they'll hold people accountable. Yeah. And that's yeah. really important to remember. So if you're going to claim something and you're not going to walk the talk, if you're going to claim you have values and you're not putting money into a foundation or into supporting a group that you're claiming to have shared values with, Gen Z will hold you accountable. And that's great. It's great. Corporations should be held accountable. And I think that a lot of companies are putting their finger on something that's important to them, some value that they hold in their mission statement. And then hopefully there's follow through in terms of donations or establishing a foundation or reaching out to communities, um, whatever they can do. But I, you and I are totally aligned on the fact that companies have to give back. If the government is falling short, and some people think it is, and it's just, you know, it's a behemoth, right? Companies have to kind of step up. And I think all of us, Gen Z, especially, but millennials, all of us are saying, hey, listen, we're going to give you our money. There are plenty of people we can give our money to, right? We can spend our money on, in, in our country, there's no brand that's not another brand that's, that's the same commodity, right? Or service. So I'm going to spend my money with a company where I think they have the same values I do. They have to be in aligned. And you're not going to reach everybody because not everybody holds the same values, right? So if Nike is backing Colin Kaepernick and Dream Crazy, there are people who are going to burn their Nike wear, but there are also people who are going to run out and buy more Nike wear. So you, you know there's going to be some controversy, but you have to have your own values. And how do you see those fitting into the three Gs? Is that, I guess it could be any any of the G. Is, is there one that you think plays more in alignment with values? You're right. It, it's all of the Gs. But if, if you think about gain, who's gaining? Who's benefiting from what your goal is? And it really should you really, I mean, shoulds are, are difficult, but people, planet, profit. It should never just be, in my opinion, profit-driven. We really have to think we're at a, a tipping point, right? We're at a, a, an inflection point of the planet has to be considered. So are your practices sustainable? If you're manufacturing things, are you using toxic-free methods, are you using alternative energy? Like what, what's the benefit for everybody in, in, in what you're doing? And then the gap, you're right, who's underserved? Is there, is there a method that could be more sustainable? Is there um, a lack of understanding about how something works so that we can go back and rethink it to make it align with our values and, 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 think about what's best for the planet and for people, for individuals, society, and the planet. I constantly say that in terms of what, I'll give you an example of how people think. You probably know the Calvin and Hobbes cartoons. He, he doesn't do it anymore, but um, Bill Watterson, it's one of the great cartoons and it's a little boy and his, his imaginary, I think it's a tiger. And, and, Calvin answers the phone and the caller says, may I speak to your father? And Calvin says, he's not here. And the caller says, would you take a message? And Calvin says, what's in it for me? <laughs> and 
people think that way. What's in it for me? And it, it's not just for me, but it's for my daughter or my cousin or my friend or the planet or my community. So companies have to step up. They really have to think about how their goals align with people that they serve, with the, with the smaller community, the greater community and the world. I really like that as a, a holistic framework to embed at that level and to connect it back to mission. I think that's so powerful. One of my favorite things is to get direct messages on LinkedIn from female executives. They reach out to me directly, maybe on a not so great day after back-to-back -back meetings or being triple booked after a day ruled by things not moving the needle. And they think, what are we even accomplishing here? I don't feel like I'm making an impact. They reach out to connect because they want a safe space to figure out what's next for their career. Because right now in their role, they know it doesn't feel right. Something is misaligned. They know it in their gut and they've made a pivotal decision. And that's why this is one of my favorite things because these leaders are ready to be intentional and strategic in their career. That feeling might sound similar to you. You might be watching others get promoted, seeing other people ascend to positions that are well beyond their skill set, and you feel frustrated and maybe not valued. I want to tell you that you can step into larger, higher paying roles while having boundaries you never even thought were possible. How would it feel to walk into your work week, knowing that you have a list of challenging things ahead of you, that you have more control over your day? You know, you might be shocked how calm and centered and focused that you feel. The opportunities are coming your way and there's no part of you that's hesitating to consider them. I want you to get more strategic in your career, to figure out that next step, to land that promotion that you want, to feel like you are in charge of your week, to set the standard for how you work and how you show up. I know that you're ready. You're ready now. Join me and other high-achieving women in the six-month group coaching cohort. Apply now at thecatchgroup.com slash group coaching. That's thecatchgroup.com slash group coaching. Learn more and apply today for the You Belong in the C-Suite group coaching program. Let's talk about some individual goals as we think about like what we want to achieve. A lot of um, the listeners are this idea of like high achievers. Um, they want to excel, you know, we're advancing our careers or advancing the careers of others. And um, I think sometimes, I don't know, maybe we take on too much. I'm putting myself <laughs> into this category. And so I'm wondering, like, how does that play into um, the three G's and what what can we learn from that? Can we do this in a different way? I think when we we set goals and people do this all the time, they set too many goals. Mm, you know, yeah. It's sort of like it's New Year's Day and I'm making these resolutions and yeah. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then it, it's overwhelming. So I, I think we can do things in smaller 
doses and really think about priorities and what's very important to you and why now and what will this do for your career and what will it how will it fit into your life and can you make it a routine to work at it and is it a passion is it something that that will really enhance your thinking or your skill set or your life or will help you move ahead in the company. So you really want to assess that goal for the benefit in it for you. Mm. And and if it's if it's in the corporate setting for the company and if it's in your life for your skill set, for your personal best, for your career short term or long long term so you really need to get as specific as possible i can offer your listeners a worksheet to really figure it out how to look at examine that goal to see if it's the best goal for you right now because sometimes there's a goal but right now at this moment right especially if you're a new mom mm. uh i have a colleague not at my university but you know i always think of all, all faculty as my colleagues around the country and she just had a baby and she was going to become the chair of her department i'm like i don't think that's a great moment for you to become chair of your department and personally i just thought well give it a year like adjust to this to to motherhood and then take on that huge two huge responsibilities at the same time i like the idea of identifying what's the gain for you personally if it's a personal goal or a corporate goal no matter what that lens i think is so beneficial but then also um what's the like to prioritize the the gap with the lens of yourself in there like right. this idea of like, if it's a goal, if it's multiple goals, how do I prioritize it for the one that's going to give like my career the priority? Is there more benefit to doing it that way? That could be a really interesting lens as well. Yes, just I'm sorry to to interrupt. But when you said that for a corporate goal, mm-hmm. will it move you ahead in the corporation? Or is it just work that needs to be done for the company and no one going to recognize it and no one's going to care and it's not going to move your trajectory forward so if you have a choice of things projects you can work on or goals you can take on in the corporation think about the one that's going to move you forward think about the one where everyone's going to see it where everyone's going to notice it where it's going to do the most good for the company and so the return on your investment is is greater yeah i really like that a lot if you think about And I love the idea of a worksheet. So we'll definitely link that in the show notes. I think that's going to be really helpful. Um, And I, uh, I love the idea to, to do it, not just for the company, but for yourself, for, for different lenses as well. We've talked about like all kind of the number of goals. What about coming up with this idea of just new goals or new ideas, as opposed to you know, those prescriptive ones that we talked about before, is there a different method or other things that we need to be thinking about when it's in this kind of new innovative space? Yes, that's a great question. And it can come from a variety of things. It can come from a passion, something you're really interested in. 
Or it can come from something that you notice. I'll give you a really terrific example. Kat Nori was in her kitchen making lunch for her three children, and she was making sandwiches and putting them in the disposable plastic bags, that, the sandwich bags that many of us use. And she thought, this is really wasteful. All these, this plastic goes into toxic landfill. What if, and that's a really great question, what if we could have a bag, a sandwich bag that could be used a thousand times mm -hmm. rather than one time. And she created a company called Stasher that makes silicon sandwich bags and they can be used a thousand times. And it was so successful that SC Johnson bought it from her in 2019. But the, <laughs> the what if question came from a pain point. Right. Right. She's there. She's noticing a problem an issue of waste. I'll give you another one. Scott Carlson, a creative director at Saatchi Health, was taking his medicine one day and he was looking at the little plastic prescription bottle and thought, what happens to these? Are they recycled or are they thrown into landfill? I keep talking about landfill, but it's, it's it, it, one made me think of the other. <laughs> and um, he did find out that we don't, I don't know if anybody realizes this. Those little bottles are not recycled. They're too small. They're oh, thrown, wow. Yep, they're thrown into landfill. So he thought, is there a way to make a prescription pill bottle out of a material that is sustainable, that can be used for regenerating the soil? And so he pursued this with a, a manufacturer called Tom, and they came up with a paper pill bottle that meets all FDA requirements. But he again thought about something, right? He noticed what can we do with this? So often it's a pain point, an issue that we notice, or it's something that we're curious about. Or we ask a what if question. Mm -hmm. uh, and then always going back to that crack, what's missing? What would advance your career, what would advance your company? Is there a lack of understanding about something or about how something works or about a process or can something be done in a different way? So for example, I think it's in Amsterdam that that last leg of delivery is given over to people on bicycles who volunteer and they get paid to take it from the, the distributor to the homes. Or we think, you know, you think about convergence of technology, smartphones and taxis, and you get Lyft and Uber, right? So what's available? What can be merged? What can you combine? But I think a lot of things happen by noticing pain points or, or wishing, like, what would, what would you do differently? How would you handle it? I love this idea of pain points. And I really love the idea of pain points when we talk about the idea of personal goals and boundaries. It's like one of my favorite things to talk about. And so when you said pain points, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like personal pain points. And so I talk about how when something is misaligned or uncomfortable, that might be a sign that, or a pain point, right? That you might need a boundary or to put something in place. And I think that's so, um, so true is the, to pay attention to those pain points. That was so brilliant, Laura. That you're so brilliant. Yeah, that's that's great. Yes. 
I never thought of it. Thank you. You just helped me. <laughs> well, we're helping each other. <laughs> we're helping each other. I feel like though, if we go deeper into that topic though, this idea of goal setting and the three G's can help us with habit and routine. Yeah, absolutely. I often think that if we think about wanting to achieve a goal mm-hmm. and, and we, then we finally turn it into an idea and how do we now manifest it? How do we fit it into our lives? And habits, I think you often need a cue to for a habit, but a routine you can just keep doing and, and fit it in. So let's say your goal is to write an article or to write a book. Well, you have to write. You have to sit down in the chair or stand yes, you at do. your desk. Right. Yes, you and do. Right. And a lot of people, their emotional obstacles, there's time issues, there's family, a lot of things get in the way of our goals and what we want to do in our on the routine. But if you make it a routine, and you make it what I call a non negotiable. Mm. So in my life, I have several non negotiables. And I'll tell you why they're non negotiable. So I'm sure everyone has the same this first one, which is I brush my teeth after every meal. I mean, non-negotiable. I'm not going to waste time arguing with myself. Mm. I just go do it. Mm-hmm. And if, now it's a routine. Mm-hmm. I don't have to even think about it. I just, I've eaten something. I go brush my teeth. I exercise every day, even if I'm not feeling well. If I'm not feeling well, I'm not going to go to the gym, but I'll do it at home, but I'm going to do it. And I don't, I don't waste time arguing with myself. It's non-negotiable, just like taking a shower or taking your medicine, non-negotiable. So if you try to work something into your life, that's in, becomes one of your non, we all have our non-negotiable, everybody's got different ones, right? So it could be playing with your dog, or it could be visiting your elderly parents, or could, whatever you have is, we all have them, right? Some people are going to go out and run no matter what the weather. We all have them. So if you can identify one to add in, I think it's almost easier to build a good, if you want to call it a habit or a routine or a practice to add in. And then you get used to having it become one of your non-negotiables. Did I answer your question? I don't know if I went off on a tangent. Or no, not. you did. I feel like it's um, it's paying attention to your pain points, right? And then knowing what is a non-negotiable. And then if you want to add one in, then understanding like what is, and maybe that's where you're like, well, what is the biggest gap? And because I don't know about you, but I have a lot of things that I wish was a non-negotiable, but I sometimes still negotiate myself. And so um, which is the biggest missing piece? So I love that question. So the gap, what is the missing piece? And then going back to the overall benefit. So I think logically we know these things. Like I know that I'm supposed to get for me right now, I would say I'm trying to make um, sleep more of a non-negotiable. And I know that I need to go to bed, Robin. I know I do, but I don't (laughs) always do it. And so, ah, so I, I think I have to remind myself about the benefits because the days that I did, so I get a, we have a sleep number bed. So I get these um, alerts that say your sleep was really great or check your sleep score. It wasn't so great last night, which I don't know. Sometimes we feel like we've gamified everything and 
Anyway, so, um, but I got a really great nudge today that was your sleep score was really great. And I looked back and I was like, oh, it's because I went to bed at 10 and I actually, I still had some interrupted sleep, but I got more sleep. I was literally laying down longer. It's not rocket science. Yeah, I think you're right. But I, what that little voice did for you was gave you positive reinforcement. Yeah. It's the yeah. way you would, you would, like, if, if I said to you, I, I wrote today and you would say, oh, that's great. Keep doing that. Right. So I think it's, a, I forgot her name. She was a researcher at University of Chicago says that positive reinforcement really does work. Yeah. And so you can give it to yourself. So if I do enough of the work that I want to do or need to do for the day, I'm very happy with, I, I make sure I realize that I'm happy with myself. Yes. Celebrating successes is so important. I think we, it's so underutilized, especially in women. I just think we go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, or we praise other people, but we don't accept it for ourselves. And if somebody gives us recognition, it's like, oh, it's super uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with that. And so this idea of positive reinforcement for non-negotiables, I love that so much and for all boundaries. And then just the idea of just keeping the gain close to close to heart. Like I know that I slept better last night. I feel more energy today, right? I'm more apt to do all of the other habits that I want to do. I want to be outside more. I want to take more walks. I want to do all those things. And so that will remind me the gain that I had yesterday will hopefully trigger me then to go to bed early tonight or just not even early on time. And, um, then I have it again, and then hopefully it at some point becomes a routine and a non-negotiable. Right. And you start to see the benefit, but I always, I just actually wrote about this today that you really want to say, what can I fold into my life right now that will give me the greatest gain? What is it that I really, really want right now? And so getting more sleep will give you more energy to do your work and to take a walk and to have fun and do whatever you want to do and concentrate. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think we often don't think about what do we need right now? Mm -hmm. So sometimes thinking short-term versus long-term could help you assess what routine you need to fold into your life. What, and I like to call it a practice actually, because you're practicing, right? It's it's yeah. a practice every day. It, it's sort of like whether you meditate or it's yoga, but you you do this and it's just what you do. Yeah. You don't question it anymore. But I think so many people sp- spend a lot of time and negative energy saying, oh, should I go to the gym? I don't know. I don't feel like, oh, forget. just, it's just, it's non-negotiable. You can't waste your energy on, on but you have to decide what those things are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and be able to draw that hard line. Yeah. And realize that you have them already. You have certain non-negotiables. Yeah. That's the interesting thing is, do you know what they are? Right. Because you have them and even recognition that you do. Cause I think that some people would be like, no, I really don't have any, I don't have a hard line on anything, but you're right. You do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you shower, you take your medicine, you brush your teeth, you, you know, there's certain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's certain things we do that we don't even, you're not going to argue with yourself about 
brushing your teeth or taking a shower, right? Or taking the medicine that you need or right. drinking water or yeah. or having a meal. I mean, sounds silly, but it's true. I will I will tell you that some of the people that I work with and clients that I have that are building boundaries, we're not even all eating all the time. So I think some of these were like, let's make something a non-negotiable so that we can ensure that we see those gains and they're just, they're table stakes. Let's make them non-negotiables. Have lunch every day. It seems silly to say, but not everybody's doing that because we're so busy because we have so many goals. (laughs) Right. And that, and just to, to dovetail on that, I mean, I sound like I I have all this control, but I eat too much sugar. So like not, it, you can't control everything. Not everything folds in as this great practice. So yes, I do a lot of work and I write a lot and I exercise a lot, but I eat too many cookies. So you know, you have to work on one thing at a time. One thing at a time. I love it. I love it. One other thing before we, um, one last topic before we conclude today, I'd love to get your take on this, this idea of how does, as we think about um, this missing piece to in the gap of the three G's, if we can bring it back to kind of organizational level, even values, can you talk a little bit more about how diversity, equity, and inclusion can be served through the three G's and how um, that intersection happens? Yes, thank you for asking this. That's very dear to my heart. I think it's very important to always get multiple perspectives about your goal and the gap and the gain. So you need to, first of all, all I think all teams should be very inclusive uh, and, and as broadly in- inclusive as possible. Everybody deserves a seat at, at the table at the outset. If you don't have that, you need to actually go secure multiple perspectives from different people because if you're all, if everybody's thinking the same way, So I'll give you a very simplistic example. If we're all at the table and we're all from central New Jersey and we're all talking about ideas, it's going to be a kind of group think, right? We all have very similar experiences and and backgrounds and perhaps we've never been outside of central New Jersey. (laughs) I mean, hard to imagine, but... you you, You really always want to avoid group think and getting as many outside, external, multiple perspectives as possible widens the lens. Mm -hmm. And you can see something through somebody else's experience because it it will be different from yours. And when it's different from yours, it allows you to see your idea in a new way. I really like that, um, getting outside of your own experience because I think um, all too often people just assume that their experience is someone else's experience and almost, and sometimes um, shut down ideas because they're like, no, that can't be it. I've never experienced that. And so just this notion of understanding other people's ideas, understanding other missing pieces that you just did not think about and understanding the benefit of gains from all of that could completely change the trajectory of an idea. Yes, exactly. And and then we also have to think about intersectionality. Um, Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw's idea of 
if you're black and female, those two things intersect and that affects your identity and how you experience the world and how the world relates to you. And so all of these things really do change how we think. And interestingly, I don't remember the study, but they found that when there is a diverse team, people come more prepared to explain their ideas because they, it's not everybody from New Jersey, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really has great value in so many different ways. I love it. I have loved our conversation so much, Robin. Thank you so much for being here and for all of the thought leadership that you've had um, throughout our discussion today. I'm so excited to dig in more to your book. And can you tell us uh, more about how to connect with you and where to get your book? Sure. And I've had a great time speaking with you, Laura, and you've actually changed my life with your talk about boundaries. So thank you. Um, people can connect with me. I'm all over the place. I'm on LinkedIn and, and Instagram and Twitter and even on TikTok. Not on Be Real yet, but we'll <laughs> <see>. <laughs> and my website is my name, robinlanda.com. So you can get downloads from my different books there. Wonderful. Thank you so, so much for your time and our discussion. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care. <laughs>